Welcome back to another episode of the Chef Drink Podcast. I'm Ed Rudisell, back from Asia, and now we've got the venerable Kate's with us. So we have Martin and Rebecca Kate. The uh, family. The family. <laughs> the family. Minus the dog. Yeah, so Martin. Right. Yeah, we, we, yes. yeah, where's Puka? Puka yes. I'm sorry, Puka's uh, yes. being a uh, babysat. Could, could, couldn't uh, afford the rider. Yeah, the rider. No. Seriously, he's so demanding. <laughs> All those fancy treats that were on the rider were like, come That's on, right. this is exactly. realistic. Just no green treats. <laughs> <laughs> I have the CBD treats for, well, my dog passed, so I got some still oh. left over. But the man, those they work amazingly. I mean, she was like 19. Yeah. By the time she did finally pass, she was a 45-pound dog. She's Whoa. six years past her expectancy. We're going to have to look into CBD wow, treats. yeah, I know. Yeah. He, he, treatables. He, hey, man, treatables. Anybody listening out there, I swear by them. Um, but that, you can mail order them, but they're also available in dispensaries and stuff and okay. pet stores oh, yeah. in California. And you happen to live there. We do happen we to do. live there. Hi, so Andy. anybody that's not aware of who you are, which I, at this point in like 90 some episodes into <laughs> shifting, if you don't know who Martin is, well, one, you haven't been listening to the show um, to hear Martin actually speak. But, you know, I've talked many, many times about um, him owning some of my favorite bars in the country. Um, but we've never had an opportunity to have Rebecca on. And, you know, if you look at the books, um, Rebecca's name's on there. It She's is. doing all the work, you know, <laughs> behind the scenes at Smugglers and so, or the Cove, as you guys call it. Either uh, way, it's fine. Um, so, but no, it's great to have you guys both on the show. Welcome. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Great to be back. Yeah, it's so been exciting. it's been a little while, man. Last time uh, was New York, right? Yeah, it was New York. We were in that. Uh, I can't remember the name of that hotel. It was like an Ian Schrager place that was pretty yeah. new, and it was very sexy and sleek. And I had a bottle of Brut Rosé. And then we had two bottles actually. The yeah, Brut Rosé. Yeah, yeah. It was good. Well, it was funny because <laughs> I remember. So I landed. Um, we landed in JFK. I'm not sure where you uh, landed in New York, and I think we were ten minutes into our uh, taxi ride into Manhattan, and. Um, you called and you're like, where are you at? Are you in the city yet? I'm like, uh, we're on the way from the airport. And you're like, me too. I'll meet you in the lobby in 25 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, we're going to get started right off the bat. <laughs> Did I see was he thirsty? It's been almost 30 minutes since I've had a drink. <laughs> right. Get your ass to the lobby. I'm starting to get tense. <laughs> they stopped drink service while we were approaching. Yeah, so, exactly. But tons of stuff has gone on since then. So, I mean, yeah. I know we discussed it on the last episode, but um, Smuggler's Cove, the book, it's huge. I mean, you've since won awards. And I can't remember the timing of the last time we sat down, but... I mean, you've got the James Beard Award now. It's insane. We use it as a textbook here. We have thank you. numerous oh, thank you. copies that we hand out to our new employees to check out and, and try to at least ignite some passion because it's not just a recipe book. Right. You know, it, right. that front section really gives a lot of history. Our real mission there was to say, you know, we'd been approached by, we'll give you a little backstory here. We'd been approached by an agent who uh, said, um, who said, I think you should do a book. And I said, I don't know. I wasn't sure if I had the time, et cetera, et cetera. And so... Um, and I got a little more into it and I started seeing some kind of, kind of third tier ish books coming out that were really bad, you know, some self published stuff that was just not really, it had some really bad information that kind of spurned me on to like, okay, now let's, let's do this. And, uh, but then the thought was, well, if we're going to do it, I, we can always take pretty pictures of drinks and put recipes in a book. That's, right. you know, but let's take it to, let's take it to another level to try to explain 
you know, our mission of continuing to spread the notion that the idea that tiki is a is a multidisciplinary art form, and that the cocktails are only one facet uh, amongst the carving, the artwork, the music, the painting, the ceramics, mm. and everything that comes with it to create these complete experiences and these complete environments. Not even, not just within the F and B space, but you know, in a much larger world as it was in the 1950s when homes and apartments and businesses, bowling right. alleys and whatever, all had these ersatz, you know, um, A-frame design where she, <laughs> she's cackling. We've has, had a lifelong uh, battle with this oh, the, word. Yes, my editor did not want me to use the word ersatz anywhere in the books. Nor I did said, I. And I was like, <laughs> I love this word. So I, I like, I do like the occasional 50 center to throw out there. So that and it is a, crazy because you guys live in an area where a lot of that stuff's still preserved. You know, when you can see that mid-century like motel design yeah. and yeah. like the motor ends and, and, right. and all that. And, we, and a lot of that's lost here. And you're right. People don't realize that it's, um, you know, it's all encompassing. Yes. And we... We're on the F&B side, the food and beverage side of it. So mm -hmm. it was like, you know, we came to add it through cocktails and like, you know, Chris being kind of a mid-century collector. But then you like, you know, we're, we make really damn good drinks. But then, you know, you you meet other guys who are like amazing artists, but they don't know anything about the drinks. Oh, so yeah, like, yeah. Right. You know, when we all come together, we all are learning from each other. Yes. Everyone has, uh, most people have different specialties, different focus areas. And this is great because that's why when you go to these events, these Tiki Oasis, Hookie Lao, et cetera, you really do get to see the breadth of the experience, which is something that's very much lost on a lot of writers about this, that it is so much larger than mm. just than just uh, these bars, these, you know, I, I don't know, this this modern revival, these 35-odd, maybe 40-odd great bars around the United States that are bringing this back. So, yeah, we live in an area, we're fortunate to live in an area where the cultural memory of, of the movement was never lost. It was never completely right, erased. Right. Where it was in some areas like um, New York, where it was basically lost, um, there was certain markets, Grand Rapids or Max's never had uh, anything. Um, so, but places like San Diego are rather, you know, quite the opposite in an extreme way because there's Shelter Island. There's an entire district, an entire island of San Diego that was mandated by the city of San Diego to be built in that style. Every single piece of every business. Yeah, that's on a, it's to amazing too, man. Yeah, and it's incredible. So and there's still a lot of it left. It's, you know, it's long since that, you know, that code has long since passed. But um so, yeah, so we wanted to really help tell that broader story. And I, I always like to say it's putting Smuggler's Cove in context, sort of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All, in the entire context of Tiki, of rum, of mm -hmm. the revival, all of it, sort of how did, you know, Smuggler's Cove is kind of the center of the book, but, you know, book ended with all of the rest. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing because it does recall, like, as I'm like thinking, you know, we're tying all these threads together, right? Like, everybody from all walks of life can be involved in this because yeah. of the art and all these Absolutely. things. Absolutely. Of a comment that, I, that Simon Ford made to me, um, actually, I think yeah. it was in New York a couple months ago, he said that... Uh, Man, you tiki guys are like the D and D players of the rum world. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? That's not inaccurate. <laughs> and oh no, and in it's fact, not. many of our regulars. <laughs> oh, many of our regulars. Actually, one of my bartenders hosts a D and D night. Um, yes, uh, I'm gonna roll. Up. I've got a plus five dexterity to not stumble drunk out of here. <laughs> um, but I. Uh, in fact, I just in fact I just got a resume at Holly Paley in Portland that was run, done up. The, his resume was actually a D and D character sheet. Oh, that's he amazing! He drew it up the whole thing <laughs> with like special, <laughs> special, you know, with certain skill sets and things, and it listed, you know, trusty steed. It was like, you know, instead of what your 
ride. Sure, ride, yeah. It's a you know, 98, 1998 Subaru. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it, was pre- it was pretty funny. It was very clever and very very well done. Anyway, um, this so we, I started working on it, and I had to write a, a sample chapter and put together kind of a PDF pitch to take to all these publishers, to take to HarperCollins and Random sure, House. Yeah. And so we went to three... Um, Three publishers in... Um, and the tea punches have arrived. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, lovely. So we had these... Um, we took all these publishers, and then we got picked up by, by 10 Speed, part of Penguin Random House, and then um, I was sitting down and getting kind of getting started on it and really having a panic attack and really thinking, I don't, I don't have time for this. I'm intimidated by the scope that we've laid out for it. And then... Um, in a magical, mystical twist of fate, <laughs> in December of 2015, or yes. something to that effect, my lovely wife five to my right... Five days before the holidays. Five days before Christmas, my wife got laid off. <laughs> and, oh, man. And I said, will you write this with me? <laughs> what were you doing before, Rebecca? Uh, I was a research psychologist before. Okay, that's um, right. You so, know, I yeah, think I did, I did know that. So I spent several years doing that in healthcare, and then the last uh, job was in... Uh, Studying the aging population and it's a very cool job until it wasn't. Right, until it went away, right. <laughs> but I, I literally was sitting in my then boss's office hearing this news and being quite shocked. And the first thing that crossed my mind is, well, this is good timing <laughs> because yeah. I knew the book was kind of looming. And yeah. so it actually, that was five now, years, when I was five in years the, later. Um, <laughs> you know, when I was in uh, Thailand recently, um, you know, I. Went to a lot of places that had your book behind the bar. Yeah. Now, one of the places you were there. One place I didn't invent <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you might have dropped it off. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I, I don't know if I mentioned it, but it's definitely on my Instagram feed. But um, Sebastian De La Cruz uh, was, did our Tropic City episode a few episodes back. He, um, When I was sitting there, I sat right in the middle of the bar, and I looked. I just looked to the right, and I saw that smuggler's mug. I mean, you can't yep. miss it anywhere you go. Yep, yep. And I was like... <laughs> Had a pocket full of Inferno Room swizzles. I'm like, nah. I'm like, stuffing those all in there. Yeah, I got to take a picture and sent to Martin. I'm like, I'm taking over your juice, man. Game respects game. <laughs> well, if you're willing to fly all the way to Thailand just to exactly. uh, drop off some swizzles and some stickers. Well, we had some stickers, so I got a few on the bar. Oh, and she got on the, the stickers. Edge. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, we we, we, we the love the stickers, but people aren't as into the stickers, stickers anymore. Stickers? Shoot, we did. I know he's got stickers all over the place. We should probably sidebar. But yeah, that was that. That always uh, absolutely blows both of us away when we see the book in different places and we're in other countries, especially certain places where the book was never distributed. So it's really yeah. uh, very. Uh, we were spotted in. Uh, we were spotted at a bar in um, in uh, Auckland. Yeah. Oh, that's in awesome, Auckland. And that they, was we crazy. just we were when we were in civvies, we weren't in 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 the flowers, but they kind of came out and kind of squinted us, and then went back inside, brought us two drinks, and and came out with pens and a book, and <laughs> said hi. And we we're like, man, we're on the other side of Earth. On the other side of Earth, yeah. On the underside. and well, and so the thing that always blew me away about that when I was there is like, you know, they have access to all the beautiful juice and the produce and stuff that we have to pay an arm and a leg for, and it's mm-hmm. like just you know you can go out and forage pineapples there. Um, on, on top of that, I went to a bookstore because I always have to hit bookstores. And uh, I was trying to pick up a few uh, books for my wife that were written in Thai, with her native language. And um, and I ran across the cooking section. I'm like, ooh, I got to check this out. And I actually went to the English part of the bookstore. And I saw a whole row of like Andy Ricker books and Night Market books. And I'm oh. like, these are oh. Thai chefs in the States. Like, I mean, <laughs> wow, I'm yeah. in Thailand, you know? Exactly. I'm like, 
I don't think if I were like in France, I would be picking up, you know, an Eric Repair cookbook. I, right, you know, right. <laughs> you know, like there's other guys here. They live here. But um, yeah, I, thought, I, just was, I thought that was real trippy, man. But, um, it, you know, obviously within what we do, it's it's pretty tight. Um, yeah. You know, it's a tight community, even it worldwide. It is. And we've been really, yeah, we've been really just blown away and, and really happy and pleased with how uh, how well the book's been received so it really it means a lot to us and and um well yeah. speaking of blown away yes you guys just opened max's south seas in grand rapids michigan yes we did and, one week ago <laughs> and so by the time this actually gets up there it'll be a month in or so and like the photos are just straight pornography man <laughs> like i am um, i saw the photos that you guys officially put up yeah they were like a little bit more uh refined and you know it's hard to you know take photos in a tiki joint because the lights are always down really yeah. low but you want to show the the decorative lighting and it's a real trick um but i think it was uh kim from chicago that put them up and mm-hmm. uh, another roundup and i was like oh my god like it's yeah. It's, there's it it just it harkens back to so many places that I've seen like there's a joint in Australia that reminded me a lot of some of the little private rooms there to the yeah, side and like yeah, yeah. but the collection of artwork I mean talk a little bit about that it's insanity it's got to be the largest collection in the country oh yeah I, I feel pretty confidently that it must be and I mean it was the first opportunity to I, I never thought I'd I'd be around through all this revival in all of my places to see something open on the scale of what it used to be like mm-hmm. of you know to open on a uh, my Kai or a Kahiki scale again because typically it's between the art and the design and the architecture and the treatments of the walls and everything else that goes into creating these immersive environments they'll just be too prohibitively expensive and it's big it's real it's big, real big it's, you, I mean, it's how much square footage do you have 13,000 right now oh my god yeah. it's going to be 17,000 next year when we add the uh, at next year we add the boutique hotel that's upstairs. complete insanity, yeah, man. <laughs> it really is. It's absolutely bonkers. I doubled my nationwide employee count in one property. So I'm sure. So it's over 100 you, people working Do you there. know how much um, room Maikai has in contrast? Oh, it's bigger still. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, I would yeah. hope so. I mean, yeah, they, no, they own like half of the street there. Ooh, boy, I don't even know. Yeah, I know the occupancy of the Maikai. I think they measure in acres at that point. The Molokai bar seats 200. I know the dining rooms can seat 600. Right. And garden okay, so it's 600 in like the main... 200 in the dining. Yeah. So yeah. So we're legally rated at something like 350. So it's not... Yeah, so we're That's still... That's so wild, man. But um, it's a... Um, this thing all... This well, I can give you a little backstory on this place, but it, it started. This started as a conversation about two and a half years ago with with my partner Mark Sellers, who I had done a consulting gig for when I had set up helped him set up the drink program at Tiki Cat in Kansas City, and it went off really well. And Tiki Cat still does very well in a really popular spot. And um, he said, well, "Want to do something more permanent?" And I said, "Yeah, let's let's talk about something a little bit more more permanent partnership." And that began a two and a half year sprint across the United States looking at spaces. And we were in, we were looking in LA, in Phoenix, in Austin, in Detroit, in Anaheim, in a few other spots. And this space came open in Grand Rapids, and it was right next to his three of his other bars, right on the same right. block. I yeah, assume that, that that was the reason why, but it was. And this this part, this one was his other company's bar, but it was a private event space and not doing especially well. 
And we said, well, let's take over this lease. And so it's kind of a, you know, there's kind of, there's a little bit of a, there's no place like home kind of a thing for Mark at least. So we thought, well, this is a kind of a big thing to bring to this community. But this community is, I mean, it's growing. It's a real thriving city. And it's uh, kind of a college town too. College town. It's a great convention city, major research hospitals. Um, there's a lot going on. And we're surrounded. There's something like 2,000 hotel rooms within three blocks of us because there's so many convention years, which is great. So, and we're immediately across the street from an 11,000 seat uh, indoor arena. Um, and so we thought, well, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's give it to them with, with, uh, with, with both barrels. Let's see what happens if uh, we, we just blow this thing well, out. The artwork alone, I, I heard um, from some of the people who are working on the job, they said there were literally like millions of dollars of art in warehouses just sitting there. And, and that's what I always love about going yeah. to your places, right? Like, and every time I send somebody into the cove, um, I always say, you know, like, if, if you do happen to go, um, or if you can go, go during the week when it's a yeah. little bit quieter because every single fucking piece on the walls has a really cool, deep story. And a lot of provenance. And you don't know yeah. what... Yeah, right. Yeah. And you have no idea unless somebody's there to, like, oh, that's from, you know... Uh, Contiki 1968 and we got this through that guy and this guy or that was a museum piece and that's on loan from here or that's an original Trader Vic's 1945 and like all those things you know oh, yeah. you, you don't know I mean when you come in and it's just beautiful and it surrounds you um, but it, it's the the actual like like we did with you last night just kind of walking around and, and you know we're still studying some of the uh, the province of, of a lot of the pieces that we have but mm -hmm. like the fact that you've purchase all these things for the years and then looking at max's yeah it's so overwhelming i think mark put a like a whatever a, a big giant uh, instagram video that showed um the whole like all the tiki collection just the tikis just the tikis yeah just yeah. the tikis there's yeah. like yeah. Well, dozens and dozens and dozens of them and it's, and it's yeah. all the, the 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 like the Steve Crane piece that was in the front. I think it's, it's in the front. It looked like the, the, the tiki the that's up in the front. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we think it was. It looks like it's from the Luau, but it's not. I've been studying it. We think it might have been. He he got it. That particular piece came from an antique store in Southern California somewhere. And I can't remember, but we we think it might have been at a Contiki location, if not at the original Luau. So it might have wow. been spread out and then came back to the warehouse that that, that Steve Crane kept in Southern California. Um, yeah, it's almost it is almost overwhelming. We're working really diligently on it's all cataloged, and it's actually the catalog is actually being stored by the Grand Rapids Museum of Art on their in their uh, servers. That's so amazing. Can, yeah, so, so you're working really like tightly. Yeah, we're working tightly. Is that falling on your shoulders, Rebecca? <laughs> no, thankfully, like, somehow. Because I know a lot of the admin stuff. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. That's, like, that would normally yeah, fall squarely. But I, right. right. We're like, I got a great idea. <laughs> you might make this happen. You might get the tap pretty soon because it's, uh, you know. Still, <laughs> I was well, like, oh, great. Thanks a lot, Ed. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to bring that up. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's a great idea. <laughs> it might it might happen. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's, that's it, all right. We'll take care of you when you're in the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, it's a really um, a remarkable space. It's it's um, we have eleven eleven wells. I, we were able to God. execute so many things we wanted to uh, to do, including um, both floors have service bars in the back. We wanted to bring back the Maikai style and and Kontiki style. That's so awesome of making drink kitchen, and the, the bartenders are loving it because it's that they love it because it's that um, you get one shift a week in the drink kitchen. Sure. So you get 
one night where you don't have to talk to anybody. They can come in. They don't have to wear on and just they put headphones go, yeah. on. They don't have to wear uniforms. They can just listen to their own music and just grind. Just grind. But even on the yeah. on yeah. the other side of that, right? Like when they're behind the bar, they're also not the only ones responsible for just grinding, grinding, grinding. They can yeah, actually right. have that guest interaction that yeah. you know they have enough time to talk to so people. famously, you know that you know the trader and, and Don Beach were able to absolutely to, to, you know build their whole reputation on being. The man or yeah. uh, high-talking Chief Stifuma. High-talking Chief Stifuma. <laughs> exactly. We're going to have to get into that. We'll get into that. But yeah, this is a, it feels like a real, uh, it feels like a real uh, kind of Mount Everest moment. It really does feel like a, a chance to really do something on a scale that I never thought was possible. I mean, and I was out there all the time uh, with training, talking about the building, looking at, talking about the art and where we were going to put things and working with our interior guys, Ben, Bamboo Ben and, uh, and Notch. And so Rebecca never came out until yeah, totally. opening week, until yeah. last week. Cool, that's always fun. So when was, you, you got yeah. the splash. Yeah. You got the it splash. And yeah, I, I cried. <laughs> Literally. We, we yeah, never cried. got that because we saw, you know, here it's just like you add a little piece, you add a little piece, and we never get the, like, the right. aha moment. You don't when even you realize how far you've come, yeah. No. You don't, yeah, you, you, it seems really incremental to you, yeah, when you're inside of it. Until, mm -hmm. And then it, so it's, it's that outside validation of the first, the first few guests who come in here I'm sure and and, and 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 at Max is where you come in and it's the first thing the guest has to do is look around find their jaw pick it up <laughs> put it back in place and uh, then and find their iPhone then find their iPhone <laughs> and then walk into your hostess stand because their eyes haven't adjusted yet right, <laughs> yeah. into the daylight. right. what just happened thunk oh okay it'll make sense in a minute you'll see yeah so that's why Smuggler's Cove is so scary because you walk in out of the sun into darkness and there's immediately a staircase downstairs dark to staircase <laughs> So we really do have to sit in the With what appears to be a thousand pound anchor over your head. Yes. You know? <laughs> what could go wrong? Yeah, and people are literally backing up to get their ID out or whatever. Yeah. Uh, don't back any further. Yeah, stop right there. Thank you. No, I mean, it's it's still, like I, I told you when we put together the Inferno Room, there was a lot of things that, like, and a lot of design decisions that were informed um, because of what we had seen you do. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, number one, and I, and I still recommend... I, to all of my friends and now all the listeners out there so like there's gonna be at least four or five more people um, <laughs> you know? but like if you go to go to the coven you can get a bar seat grab that bar seat because and just watch the efficiency porn because yeah. you've never seen drinks at that level being made that quickly at such ease like you know your bartenders are like really incredible <laughs> i mean i counted i was watching uh your bartender dame who yeah. like he has a um a semi interesting um you know side gig. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yes, his, his well, side hustle. <laughs> his side hustle is, and then my favorite is though, because this is exactly how it's listed on his uh Facebook bio as his two jobs is it says first, let it be said, first it says bartender at Smuggler's Cove and Associate Attorney General, State of California. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that. Tr oh, that. So, the day gig, yeah. So, yeah, I sat in front of, of Dane one night, man, and uh, he just, like, I watched him, and I wasn't, like, officially with the timer, you know, like in the Olympics, but I was keeping an eye on my, on my phone, and, and it was taking about one minute from the time that he got the order to the time that it left mm -hmm. um, and was being delivered to the customer. That's with garnish. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, this, the the very small, tight nature of your bar is uh, in large part reason to that. But it's also just the efficiency. I mean, you you guys don't batch anything. You have a you know at the time, I think you had 104 
uh, drinks on the menu, and you're like, no, 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 we're getting ready to turn that back though soon. We're gonna, we're gonna get it down to 96. Yeah. <laughs> right? I was yeah. like, wow, you're really, yeah. really stretching here. Let's just take all that ex- that stuff off. But um, yeah, I was, it, it was just blowing me away that the amount of time that it was taking for him to make it. But there was no sweating. Like he was just like, hey, so like, where are you from? How you know Martin? And I'm like, and then I'd look over and the drink was done and garnished and waiting to be picked up. I'm like, yeah. how? Yeah. How is this possible? So like, that's I mean, yeah, we, I learned from you as well. Like, don't do an event without your Hamilton Beach. Always, always bring your HMD. Um, the uh, we have a travel case for it now that Chris actually molded foam and everything around, so oh, it, doesn't, cool. it doesn't even scoot around when we travel. That's great. With it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I got a big Pelican case yeah. on hard side of Pelican <laughs> to travel with mine. Yeah, it's a. Um, uh, yeah, we're really about how can we... We realized that if we started batching things, we'd end up making more batch bottles because the menu's mm. so big. We'd end up making more batch bottles than the bottles we have. I mean, we're more like, you know, we're like Taco Bell of rum, you know? I mean, it's like, there's only, you know, Taco Bell just takes the same several ingredients. Right. We mix them up. <laughs> but, but... Well, and it makes inventory a bitch because you're like, okay, oh, yeah. well, I have a half a bottle, but there's four things in it, so I have to do the math. Yeah. Then, yeah. <laughs> well, the rum makes the inventory well, a bitch. Uh, yeah. When you have 800 and... 12 are you 812 now i think that's that's today's count i think i don't know changes on a daily basis so yes but we're yeah we're coming in over 800 right now so yeah that's inventory's fun yeah (laughs) yeah we're gonna talk later before you leave today about uh your rum program because uh the rum busting society because we've we're, we're again wanted to you know we're just trying to steal all the things you're doing (laughs) no no i i love seeing rum clubs Popping yeah. up in in bars um, around the country because I think it's uh, it's great for education. It's great Absolutely. It's because it is. There's only so much you can you can you can, as a consumer you can buy it you can read about it. But when you're when you can have informed service in a venue and and friends that you meet and drink with because mm-hmm. our our rum our rum bus society folks have become buddies. Yeah. And so that's what it was. Yeah. So when I rolled in to to the cove the first night, um, I didn't tell you I was there. I rolled in. It was a really quiet night. And I didn't realize this until about 20 minutes in to order my drink. I, I guess I sent a, a flag up that I was, like, at least a rum geek because I ordered a tea punch. Yeah. Which right. we discussed that you said you were <laughs> yeah. Like, nobody. And it's same here. But we're pushing it because, I mean, it's one of my favorite. It's what I drink at home. It's oftentimes what I drink after I get off shift. That's why we're drinking it right uh, now. And we're sitting and drinking now. Yeah. Hey, shout out to Kong and Hanoi because we are drinking the Sampan rum that you recommended, sir. And... We are drinking tea punches with it. So it's dynamite too. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. fantastic. I'm telling you, Southeast really, Asia really is good. going to put make a big run at the yes. agricole style market. Uh, I think in the next decade. I think that I mean they're poised to do it. Yeah, no doubt. Um, about it just it. matters what kind of uh, distribution we end up getting. But, but yeah. So that whole um, that whole experience of coming in and ordering a tea punch, and literally, I think three people at the bar. And it's a small bar, right? Like, yeah. everybody's sitting right next on top of me. But they were trying to whisper as to not, like, talk about me in front of me. Like, hey, what did he just order? <laughs> I'm like, I'm right here. You can just ask me what I ordered. And so they made a tea punch, and that was it. And But, like, so I listened. Um, I didn't join in the conversation because I was still kind of out of sorts and, you know, trying to figure out what time it was. I just landed. And... Uh, and everybody at that bar that night was Rum Bastion Society members. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's what they were doing. They were there to hang out and talk about rum. There are three over 300 members um, of the club and over 150 of them, 120 of them-ish right now have, yeah, about that. Yeah. 120 have crossed the threshold of having 100 different rums each. Wow, that's amazing. And so so they, how they does get, that break they, down, right? So, uh, yeah. like, 
you know, I, I know we've got a thousand things to talk about, but I'm really curious <laughs> about this because you are, you've got such an extensive room collection that you're able to do this in a way that a lot of us can't, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, where your numbers, where you have to hit these like certain benchmarks are quite large, but what you get out of it yeah. on top of the education is quite, I mean, there's rewards there's on top rewards. of like the reward of just learning more and being able to intelligently speak about a spirit when you walk into a liquor store. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so the, the, what's the kind of starting level? Starting level. So you come in, you become a initiate and you get, uh, it's a tr 20 chapters, 20 educational chapters, self-guided, download the PDF, read it. And your homework is drink rum, so it's fun. Um, the test after you finish is really not onerous at all because it's not in my best interest to stop you drinking. <laughs> you know, right. I'm sorry, you got too many wrong. You shouldn't drink here anymore. No, that's not going to happen. Right. Um, and then when you reach 100, you become a guardian of the cove after that. So it's 100 pours, and uh, that's when you start getting invited to special events, distillery meetings, things like that. At 300 rums, uh, we take uh, you on a trip to a distillery. That's amazing, man. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a big um, thing. We just came back from uh brazil brazil yeah which we was went, amazing was with uh, avua cachaça yeah. and that was incredible to go out oh my god we just got avua cachaça in our market Did we've you? been we've been yeah. asking for it for a while because like just the finishes are blowing my mind yeah because i mean we don't have a really point of reference in fact yeah the first time i really went through and tasted like a ton of expressions at once was with you i think we were in miami and i'm like well you know this stuff and i don't I'm following you, buddy. <laughs> you know? yeah. And it was great to see and actually go and, and see because it is a very small family-run distillery in the middle of the jungle, and it's super tiny. It is it, also out of how many distilleries? Oh, crazy. There's maybe 12,000 probably distilleries. Wow. 3,800 legally recognized distilleries. Yeah. And there are two, one of which is Avwa, that are have female distillers. Oh, that's amazing. So I didn't really realize that Avoca cool. Shasta did. Yeah. It was she's amazing. She was she's great. really, really interesting. Super, yeah. super passionate about what she's doing. Uh, super, super. You'd, you'd kind of go, oh, look, it's all, this is the hearts are coming off the still right now. I just want to put my face, slap, shit you in the hands. <laughs> it's like, sorry, mom. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm a bad person. So um, like, I mean, that's a, at 300? I mean, so yeah. 300. Do you have to keep like re- Upping the bar? They, because, yes, no, we thought that was it. We thought people would go on their trip, come back, maybe occasionally drink a rum or two, but sure. that that would be it. Yeah. And we just had our sixth, fifth, 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 fifth member. member have their 1,000th rum. Wow. <laughs> so it's nutty. We share a couple of guests that come between Indy and uh, your bar. Because, oh, yeah? Okay. Um, oh, great. Because Salesforce is headquartered in Indianapolis right. San Francisco. So yes. we have cheap flights between San Francisco and Indy. And so, yeah, we, like, there's a, I don't know him personally. He talks to Chris every time he's in because he comes in, you know, middle of the week. He's here for business travel, but okay. But yeah, he's Salesforce I don't know, guy. Yeah. At minimum, guardian of the cove. Maybe he's okay. that. We have I'm a few sure. Salesforce regulars, yeah, so yeah, so. yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's it's great. pretty wild, man. I love it. That's right. It's cool. That's the Salesforce connection. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so another fun game we love to play with Salesforce employees is ask them in one sentence describe what that company does. Oh my god, <laughs> you get you. you uh, they they kind of go well. Tell me the answer in one paragraph they can't answer. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's very entertaining. <laughs> I've got friends who work there for years. I'm like, what do you do? And they're like, well, it's kind of hard to explain. <laughs> do you know what you do? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they build very tall buildings. Yes, they do. So now you're really extended out, though. So, like, I mean, we, you've got Grand Rapids, um, your partner in Lost Lake, Holly Paley in Portland, False Idol in San Diego, uh, Whitechapel in Smuggler's Cove in San yep. Francisco. Yep. Well done. Nailed it. 
Is that all of them? I think that's that it. Is it. Okay, that's yeah, it. I was like, I'm waiting. Is and there more stuff? But well, then you got the book. <laughs> five, 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 five tiki bars. Five, yeah. five tiki and rum bars, and, and one, one, one gin bar. That's bar. right. Last, I think the first time that we really got to know each other well was, uh, I think you were about three weeks from from Whitechapel opening because you were explaining the like subway tile like. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, like I the, was probably nearly dead. Yeah, I was yes. gonna say you that were, was a rough period. You were. Yeah, because we were writing the book at the same time. Yeah, it was oh. nuts. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so he would. Yeah, it was like. So 50 how much of that did you end week? up getting to do? Oh, quite a bit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> quite God, a bit. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of, um, I know you've been, we've worked about 60 hours this week at Whitechapel, but you need to write a paragraph on what rum means to you. Go. <laughs> yeah. She was, was, no, she so was. So effectively, yeah. it's a Rebecca Kate book. Well, <laughs> like, she was, she uh, had Ghost written by Rebecca Kate. <laughs> she had this great, because I mean, she's, she's kind of project managing it as well as writing, writing it and yeah. as well as doing a ton of research because I mean I always recommend yeah, if you need to get a co-author I highly recommend you get a, someone with a research doctorate from, right, Ber- yeah. from Berkeley to help you it's, <laughs> I highly recommend yes yeah, so if you can pick one up I highly recommend it um, the um, so, you she, so she went up so yeah she was doing the, get on Tinder <laughs> <laughs> swipe to yeah, PhD whatever direction that is yeah. <laughs> the the um, but she's doing she's doing all this deep research too on on especially when we get into rum, rum history yeah. and she's looking up all this you know historic documents online about uh, rum production in various islands and things like that. So it was a uh, so having somebody to actually add some some intellectual heft to the, to the affair <laughs> <laughs> was pretty key. We got to classy up a little bit. Yeah, really seriously. She yeah, she actually, makes me look good. It yeah. worked well though in terms of our writing styles being very different and. Mm-hmm. So I would often like do the first draft and it would, I will say, be a little drier. And then I'd say, okay, Martinize it. And then Martinize and then, it. Then yeah. I'd the the, the aforementioned 50 cent words. Yeah. Right. More enjoyable so reads. So we got good. to hang out last night and, um, at, at several places. And I love that you were like, where's the cool dive bars in town? And I got to go <laughs> and I, I know I've had them on the show before, but I've, I just, I don't go to the chatterbox often enough. Every time I go in, I'm like, why don't I come here more often? And so I just, I just don't Fantastic. get out. This place is great. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a fun place. I, I really was bummed out that they didn't have a live jazz band last night. Somebody must have just bailed on them because no. a Friday night or yeah, Saturday night there with no music usual, is yeah. really, really odd. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but while we were talking about that, you know, we got to talking, um, you know, a little bit about the book and like some of the side stories of stuff that didn't make it into the book, but. The greatest thing for me, um, there's a couple of things that I really enjoyed about the Smuggler's Scope. But one is that you were taking a lot of like these classic recipes um, from Don Beach and Trader Vic and all that. And that back then, you know, I always say, man, our our grandfathers and great grandfathers were hardcore motherfuckers. Yeah. Oh yeah, because <laughs> your great grandparents like, could power it. Yeah, down. <laughs> like this has four and a half ounces of alcohol, and you're yeah. like, what? Yeah, I can't, I can't drink and, that. And that they, was the before dinner cocktail. Right, yeah, and they right. slammed down a bottle of yeah. wine, and then here's they, your after aperitif. Dinner, yeah. <laughs> aperitif zombie. <laughs> aperitif zombie. Yeah, that's and it's, and it's insane. insane. <laughs> and so, like, I mean, that's why. I always um, I fuck with Dave Hansen, our mutual friend. Yeah, obviously he's done work for you and, mm-hmm. and work for us as well. And his home bar in uh, Milwaukee is his uh, foundation. And I always ask him, like, man, are they building to the original spec? Because I don't remember any of the nights that I've ever been to foundation. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm like, I think they're building the OG spec. I'm like, yeah. it's like, I screw it, put four and a half ounces of booze in it. Or like the yeah. zombie, like three and a half. Yeah. But an ounce of it's overproof. Right, right, right. 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 Yeah. So that's completely insane. But you guys got, like, especially Rebecca was mentioning some, like, really cool things that she ran across. Because that book was the first one that really went 
uh, beyond the surface of scratching into the life of Stephen Crane. Yes. And so that was um, a big part of what we do here. I mean, we have a whole room of the place that is an homage. In fact, you you were kind enough to lend me uh, one of the photos that you use in your book and give right. me the high res. Right. And so that's printed and, and framed upstairs. But Steve Crane's from Indiana, from Crawfordsville, just outside of Indianapolis. It's approximately a 40-minute drive. I don't know how many miles that is. But um, in a very nondescript cemetery, I mean, you have to know where you're going to find it. Yeah. Um, and I was talking about, like, that's kind of a bummer that you can have, like, such a footprint on the Tiki World. Like, all a lot of what we're all doing now is, like, you know, because of the things that he accomplished during his lifetime. And now he's kind of in the middle of this small town where he started, you know. I mean, for yeah. him, that's what he wanted, right? I mean, yes. he has to be there, he come did. full circle. Mm-hmm. Um but like the story is amazing, and you were—I don't want to say you're the first one that broke the story, but you—you you put all the pieces together because the story started yeah. breaking, you know, with the Lana Turner wedding. You right, know? right, yeah. yeah, he was, yeah. So we knew who he was, and we knew what he had. Uh, we knew what the chains were that he'd opened. But understanding the whole spectrum of the man, at least the best we can, was really a um, a real undertaking that I took a lot of pleasure in because he's so fascinating to me, and I loved his. It's it's this great self-made small town kid. Moving west, looking for fame and fortune in Hollywood, and finding it un- in an unbelievable way that he probably never even saw happening in his life. I'm sure he never imagined it turning out that way. But a lot of what he did want was came true. His arm around starlets, day in and day out. His these fabulous restaurants across the United States. Um, this amazing, amazing life. And to think that. So it, and a lot of it got really fleshed out because I had the good fortune to. I went to a book signing in um, in, in near San Francisco, and uh, his daughter Cheryl, mm-hmm. who figures large in his story. Yeah, uh, Cheryl. Um, Cheryl was. I'm like, yeah, I learned that from Smuggler's Go. <laughs> <laughs> Cheryl, you too uh, can learn the full story. <laughs> Cheryl was. Cheryl was had written recently written a coffee table book about her mother. A lot of big glamorous photos of Lana Turner. And uh, so I went to this book signing, and there was just a lot of Lana Turner fans, and, and everyone was asking her questions about, so did Lana do this, and what about this, and when she made Peyton Place, blah, blah, blah. and then everyone kind of cleared out. They said, thank you very much, and I just sort of sat there, and I just waited, and then when everyone was gone, I just walked up to her and I said, can I talk to you about your dad? <laughs> and she said, oh, wow, nobody ever asked about my dad. I said, your dad means a lot to me, and I would love an opportunity to learn more, and about you, since she was an executive in the company for most of her professional career um so she was kind enough to let me email her and we arranged a, a couple of interview phone call interviews from her home in palm springs and and i was able to to pick her brain on a lot of uh, questions and i would love to talk to her again um while i still can she's 78 right yeah, now still quite young yeah she's fine as far as i, I know mean, from, you know, from the, what i've heard the, it's a moving benchmark yes. the older i get i'm right, like seven eight's not, not that bad, bad. <laughs> 102 you got everything together nothing, nothing there so um but it's like when i talked with jeff amazing, you know yeah. and he was going back and talking with everybody we talked about that like period during the 90s where it was just like this really opportune time where you could still get in contact with people right. like yeah. people's kids or guys that worked at, you know, Don the Beachcomber or Trader Vicks, and that's getting harder and harder in 2019. It is. He yeah. was able to talk to Tony Ramos, and he was able to, I mean, the, the Wayne Curtis quote. Uh, that Dude, I, I Skull and Bones is <laughs> one of our top sellers at yeah, yeah. all of our bars. All nice. of them. Yeah. Like, all of our bartenders are like, what's that drink you guys have over there? Yeah. Like, Skull and Bones? are like, yeah. It's, it's, it's literally on three of our restaurant menus, not the tiki ones. Yeah. Just, just yeah. Like, it's a classic. Yeah. It works like a champ. Yeah, it's, it's such a, a great, efficient little drink. It really is, man. 
The uh, so that's cool. You got in touch with Cheryl. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, really early on. So, I mean, is that a relationship you continue today? I wish I, I wish I did. Last email I sent, she didn't respond, but I had I'd written her. And, <laughs> She's like this guy. So yeah, yeah, this guy. He's I, all fancy now. Yeah, I don't know. She didn't answer it, but uh, maybe she doesn't use it anymore. It was an AOL.com address. <laughs> She's moved on. They still have those. I think they still have those. So, well, uh, at one point you were hoping you could, because she has a bunch of obviously memorabilia and. Yeah, collection. Oh my of, god! You know, old menus and all that stuff. That I, at one point she hinted you might be able to come see. Come see has any of that been cataloged? I mean, well, she doesn't have a lot left, but she has the one. The one critical thing she has is she has what's called bar one, and it's the it's the prime table from the Luau, and it was the main the main table inside the bar at the Luau that was uh, it was Steve's table, mm. and if it, Steve wasn't there, it's where he put celebrities, VIPs, um, a, 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 you know what do you call it, a gossip columnists. Sure. If you wanted a gossip columnist in there, if you didn't, she didn't come in, but if you did, she came <laughs> in, had a something I think is her name, but you put these um you put the you, you it was the it was the prestige table and uh after the luau got torn down in 79 she kept the table and she still has it in palm springs at her house so. i'm like getting goosebumps just thinking about like even sitting oh, yeah. at that table i've never even seen it but i'm like just to sit there i'd be like oh yeah right. do you have any idea who's, who's been at been this there? table yeah, exactly that's probably where uh, i like to think that's where eartha kit famously uh uh, smash an ashtray over this guy's head <laughs> who got fresh. I'm like, yeah, but that's what you get for fucking with Eartha Kit. Yeah, right. <laughs> primary that. mistake. <laughs> so, uh, for our listeners out there um, that maybe are trying to figure out or, or do a quick Google search on who Steve Crane is, so um, I'll let you fill in the details. But I mean, he's one of the big three, right? Of, yeah. of Tiki. I always want to say big four. Um, because, you know, I'm a metalhead. I'm like, well, I mean, it's Metallica and Megadeth and Slayer. I'm like, oh, no, 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 hold on. We're talking about Tiki. <laughs> like, um, but, you know, obviously, you know, we talk a lot about Don the Beachcomber and we talk about, um, you know, Trader Vic. But, like, Steve Crane kind of largely has gotten pushed to the wayside. I don't want to say forgotten, but, you know, drinks yeah. get attributed to Trader Vic a lot that were not Trader Vic's drinks. They were Steve Crane drinks. Steve Crane, most of Steve Crane's drinks were... Um, we're kind of lifted from yeah. Don. Riffs. Riffs. Uh, yeah. a polite that's, term. A, that's <laughs> the word we use in 2019. Riffs. Riff. Yes. <laughs> I, look, I put Engo in it. It's a riff. It was to me, the, to me, the thing that was so interesting is that he was doing was to expand the empire in a really interesting way by kind of making it a vertically integrated empire. He had all of his design work, his ceramics, everything was in house. Um, interior designers like George Nakashima, who worked for him, all these people who were doing these spaces were all. Uh, um, part of the SCA, Steve Crane Associates, and um, I, I just love the way that the the brand expanded to create these experiences. And as it expanded, the experiences got bigger and bigger. As a Contiki chain, then became the Contiki Ports experience with the, with multiple themed dining experiences under one roof. Um, and then he did, uh, you know, he did a lot of restaurants in Los Angeles that were themed. He had a, a Moroccan uh, themed restaurant. He had an Italian place. He had a French place. Um, the the um, the thing that you know, Vic survives because Vic survives because it still exists. The family right. family's still on the board, and right. there's still locations. Um, Steve's all of Steve's locations are gone, so everything mm -hmm. was kind of forgotten, and there was really nobody out there to talk about it. And you know, the same fate would have befallen the Don, Don the Beachcomber if, if if Jeff hadn't really talked up Don's mm -hmm. legacy. Um, but if 
but for Steve, it's it it's kind of a it's kind of a way of not just that he expanded it, not just that he controlled all the elements, but also that he took it to another level. He was the one who really gave us the look and feel that we call high tiki design. He was mm-hmm. the one who started who put the water features in the restaurants, who put the you know the macaws and the cages and the little caiman alligators and the and the foliage and all of these things to really take this everything that had come before, everything Don had done, everything Vic had done, other people, and really make at this ultra immersive, right. more theatrical environment. Yeah, so that's what I was yeah. going to say. Very theatrical. He yeah. was involved. I mean, mildly in film, and yeah. he was definitely, um, you know, kind of rubbing elbows with the the Hollywood uh, cognoscente of the yes, time. And indeed. so, like, that's what I think. You know, where we we start to forget about it because uh, what I I, mean, I agree with you. Yeah, like it's the um, what I'm why I'm fascinated with with Crane is not just because he's from where I am, yeah. you know, and we get to claim him as hometown boy, but yeah. you know, like he did, it is, it's the consummate story, right? Like, yeah. you know, he was like, this sucks. I mean, yeah. goes to Chicago, tries this thing there. That kind of sucks. Goes yeah. to New York, doesn't make any money, loses a ton of money. Yeah. Wife bails. And he's like, fuck it. I'm driving to California. <laughs> I'm going to California. California. Yeah. Exactly. And also, I mean, very much kind of bluffs his way. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, part, like he's so like, he gets there and he's totally full of yeah. shit. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, like the, oh, I'm rich, I'm wealthy. Yeah. I come from this, like, he you know, he faked it till he made it. Yeah. I mean, and, like it's And he really crazy. did. And that's the fascinating part of like, yeah. he, he was the self-made man. Like yeah. he was like, I'm not going to be Joseph Crane anymore. Yeah. I'm Steve Crane I'm Steve now. Steve Crane. You know? Everywhere he went, he reinvented himself, whether he, you know, he went to Paris for a few years. He was, uh, you know, he was a rum runner in the South That's right. France. I forgot he went to Paris. He was doing all Came back with all the money that nobody still knows and where it came from. I know. It's nobody great. knows. <laughs> came out this pile of cash and nobody knows. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm going to open a bar with what? Oh, I got this big stack of money. Where'd you get it? Don't ask too many questions. <laughs> you, you probably don't want to know. <laughs> and that's where the enigma is so fabulous. And Don was like that too. Don was a bullshit. Or Don, and you know, Trader, I mean, all Vic, three of oh, yeah, them. Vic like... said, oh, yeah, my leg got bitten off by a shark, stabbed knives in it. No, it didn't. It was right, off, yeah. childhood tuberculosis. You lost your leg, too. You know, it's a... It's just they all. It was. It's from that uh, what we call that sort of the the grand era of the impresario, you know, right, and yeah. the impresario style, which Steve was definitely one, uh, maybe the, maybe the greatest because he was he loved holding court at his restaurants. Um, but you know, you 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 find old matchbooks, and you'll see them for any kind of restaurant. But you'll find these old matchbooks, and they'd always say, "Meet with your host, uh, Joey," and uh, Joey welcomes you to such and such, and all that kind of stuff. So we had. So that was that era, and I think uh, that's kind of where I I love those stories and those matchbooks. Shuggy's Tropics, meet Shuggy Sugarman, your host. And I think uh, so Max's was uh, designed with that in mind, um, with uh, our our impresario Max, um, who's just not there that much. Yeah, of course. He travels a lot. He He goes to the Caribbean a lot. And he's in, yeah, he's, last last week, what did he say? He sent us an email. He missed the opening. He missed the opening, which is kind of ridiculous. We're like, come on, Max, like, where have you been? And he said, "Ah, I was, yeah, big guys like that, they can't be expected to be. Oh yeah, he was, he said he was in, he was in Tahiti and he was just beachcombing that week, I think, and he didn't want to come back sooner. He just, you know, he lives the life. That's Max. And And you can check in on social media these days, so he knows, he knows what's going on. He's watching, he gets the sales reports nightly, so he's on top of no, and that is, it's really an era of um, where I'm not sure that we'll ever see it 
in the original incarnation um, just because, you know, the way that we're dressed right now, right? Like, I mean, yeah. it's great, but, I mean, we would look like the jackasses strolling into the luau, you know? like Oh, yeah, they would yeah. Uh, they would ask us to leave. Right, yeah, you're, like, you're not wearing your... And say, Here's a jacket and tie. Right, yeah. Button up your Hawaiian shirt and put a tie in it. Um, but, you know, on top of that, there's, you know, the, um, the kind of... Uh, the maitre d' position, you mm-hmm. know, like you said, the host of the evening has, yes. has that's kind of largely faded away. I mean, yeah. we fantasized while we were building this, uh, the Inferno Room, that that was going to be something that, you know, we were like, okay, we've got a great staff, and like, so Chris and I will be available, just kind of like float about and chat and mingle and, yeah. you know, and you know, we've got pith helmets and stuff, and we have so much stuff. Um, and Chris is a hoarder, but hoarder yeah. of all cool things. Exactly. It's so, not hoarding if your so stuff's he's a cool. Collect- that's right. So he's a collector. collector. Right. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, of course, that, that in reality, that doesn't really ever happen. And, and it's less important to people today. Um, it is less important. You know, Max, is we do have a, a great uh, a GM who's very much like that. His name's Buzz. And he's a kind of six foot five, larger than life guy, former steakhouse manager. And he's uh, takes uh, takes folks through the space. And hey, how you doing? He's like his arms out big. He's got this booming voice. You can hear it three blocks away. He's a uh, you know, he's a great character for us in terms of yeah, he's got that. He's really got that hospitality thing down. But it's a real that passion. For that, and yeah, the way guests are these days too. Guests, you know, a lot of times it's like, yeah, I, a lot of guests are like, I'd, I'd like you to leave me alone now. Well, <laughs> and, and the shift, there's been a large shift, obviously yeah. as well. You know, from the Steve Crane days, like you know, when you're hiding your bartenders in the back, and now everybody yeah. wants to see the action, right? Like yes. Open right. kitchens, open bars, all of that, and so it's it's quite different. But yeah, that that whole Steve Crane story, it just it's it's fascinating to us. Like we named our our um, one of our rooms upstairs the Luau Room. And yeah. We tried to use as much of the Luau um, decor that we could. Uh, Dave carved our window trim with Luau logos. Mm-hmm. And we tried to get him to copy like exactly the Luau logo sign that you have. Yeah. yeah. But Dave wouldn't do it. He won't. He won't plagiarize even his own work. <laughs> <laughs> He's a purist of the highest order. <laughs> he really is. He is. <laughs> um, but no, it was um, we. We you know always looking for those pieces, and, and but you know unfortunately, um, it's hard to find that stuff because it all is in fucking Grand Rapids. <laughs> <laughs> Book yeah. your flight today. Yeah, exactly. Right. Come, come visit. See it all. Exactly. See the world of Tiki. Yeah. No, I, I describe Max's. I just said it's an art museum that happens to have fantastic food and drinks. I mean, yeah. that's it, awesome. It really is. It's yeah. every. I mean, that's what we inch. shot for. When people yeah. ask what the vibe is here, it's like that's kind of what we try to tell them. It's like, yeah. well, I mean, yeah, it's a bar, but you know, there's a lot to look at, and we always say, take a seat, have a drink, but then explore. Explore, right? Like mm-hmm. when you go to the Mai Kai, like I mean, yeah. explore. Exactly. Go see some cool stuff, and then, you know. And then when you come back, you'll sit somewhere else and have a different experience. Which and with great. any luck, like, we've added things onto the walls. You know, with right, us, it's always a struggle new. of like, all right, cleaning up. I mean, all, half of our collection's forty-five years old, so yeah, yeah. it's covered with forty-five years of jungle <laughs> right, debris. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you touch it, you're like, you look like it's a coal character. miner. And you're like, oh my god, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> I only held that for thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah, like all this stuff sitting around behind us, all these um, palm panels, which. Um, you know, and again, now I'm getting off topic, but you know, if you want to know the kind of artwork that we display here, uh, primarily at the Inferno Room, you know, um, on Martin's recommendation, he uh, led me to the Young Museum in San Francisco, and they have an amazing exhibit, uh, the Milwaukee City Museum as well, which I have not been to, but Chris uh, did and designed our skull racks based off of that, mm-hmm. and even the Met in, in, in New York. 
their Oceanic exhibit is really beautiful, but what's cool is their central piece is that A-frame spirit house yeah. where they have hundreds of palm panels yeah. just floating over the whole room. That yeah. was, I was, I was really blown away because yeah, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of panels that we have that are almost identical to what they have there yeah. because great. there's a lot of middle sepic uh, artwork represented there. So. Yeah, yeah. And what was really interesting when you get into like um, some of the like southern sepic you know, mm -hmm. tribes and just how different the artwork is. Yeah, it really so, is. Well, I mean, speak yeah. about that a little bit because you and I have talked about this numerous times. Um, you know, apart from the cocktail scene and, and the, you know, just running a business and all that, but like the artwork being so important to what we do, yeah. um, not just, um, you know, I think a lot of people hear Tiki and they're like, oh, it's fucking Jimmy Buffett. We wear parrot hats that inflate and, you know, <laughs> like you put some palm trees up and boom, you have a Tiki bar yeah. or like, you know, we talk about the Martinique wallpaper where it's yeah. just like the same print of wallpaper you see in every new modern Tiki bar. Yeah. But, you know, the art is so important to this because without it, it this wouldn't exist uh, a, a thousand percent it's uh i think it's the um it's this sense of it began as this appreciation of of um oceanic arts and wanting to display them and share them because people really uh love them and found them beautiful and striking and different and, and unique and it evolved into its own art form of, of generations of artists from all over the world who are use this as their inspiration, who take, who take these pieces from all over these islands and say, this is really inspiring to me and I'm going to learn how to carve and I'm adding their own twists and things like that to the, to the work. So it's actually, it's, it's these original pieces have spawned up, have been a Genesis. So, in these great bars, uh, in places like Inferno Room and in, and in Max's, we can work, we can tell the complete story. We can show, we can display both pieces that act as the inspiration points, and we mm. can talk about the modern carvers, exactly. or at least the carvers of the starting in the 1930s to today, who are inspired by that. So at Max's, everything is completely intermingled. We have a lot of PNG stuff, um, but we also mix it with carvers going back to the, to the, 1930s and 40s, people really talented people like Andres uh, Andre Bumate, um, and uh, um, I'm drawing some blanks right now. But, um, but I feel like there's a, a, a kind of a modern renaissance in the interest in uh, Papua New Guinea or PNG artwork. Um, I'm starting to see a lot more of the carvers integrate that, and and maybe that's a lot due to some of the work that you did at False Idol. Uh, Bosco I, was yeah, Bosco's panels were uh, you know integrating his. Uh, already existent style, um, which was a highly stylized California right. modern tiki, which was influenced by the work of William Westenhaver. And, and the aliens. And, there was definitely some alien and There's some alien influence in there. <laughs> but he was... He Don't draw, ask too many questions. Yeah. <laughs> he definitely draw, he draw, draws from all these traditions when he creates his pieces, and then these and then he drew from these uh, sort of spirit boards and, yeah. uh, and sepic style panel, like these palm panels, to create all the wall panels for... Um, for false idol and you know actually uh car chainsaw carving them painting them distressing them and then even he he buries them um oh, underground wow. for a yeah. couple of months just to help with their patina and their wear and oh yeah like we've done some them. work like that yeah. i think what was it chris that buried for i think it might have been the uh all the bamboo for the school rack. I think he buried in his backyard for a whole winter yeah. so that it would yeah. like freeze oh, nice. over and crack and, you know, do all that. But we were lucky that, you know, um, lucky, I guess it was a double-edged sword because all the palm panels that are surrounding us right now, which actually I'll, I'll take a photo after we're done here that has the both of you in it so people can see the palm panels behind you. But these were, um, 
obviously, you know, no one's going into the middle sepic, uh, you know, tribesmen and saying, hey, here's some acrylics, guys. Um, you know, make sure you make some beautiful things. So, you know, you're using whatever natural pigments are av- right. available mm-hmm. um, in the river area. So we found that as soon as we touched them, a lot of the pigments were coming off. Yeah, yeah. And so we had to, uh, we sent these off to a local film maker, filmmaker uh, uh, named Gordon Strain, and he was able to brush them off. It was like total Indiana Jones stuff, right? Yeah. Like he had the, yeah. he had like the brush, yeah, he's brushing everything off, and they put a very thin, like satin layer of, of polyurethane on top, so that people wouldn't talk. Yeah. So the ones yeah. that are about, that are out of human reach, right? You know, that are like fifteen to twenty feet up. Those we didn't touch. Right, but these, but you these to, you, yeah. we knew that somebody's going to get drunk. You know, like last night, somebody putting the Merkin on her. <laughs> oh, that's right. I remember that. Yeah, exactly. Was, someone putting a Merkin. Yeah, well, it's trying to get. The, <laughs> the more we tell people about the, the more we can tell the story about how this art is really important and how it matters to us, the less people fuck with it. Yeah, ideally, ideally, uh, and the less, the more people take it seriously. And one of our great problems and continuing challenges is with. Um, constant media references to calling it kitsch, which mm. I find wholly I'm starting to hate that word more and more and more and more and more. Dismissive and frankly classist. And uh, and yes. I, I'm absolutely sick of it. And, um, and I, I'm really sorry that you don't understand or appreciate this art, but you don't get to just dismiss it. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I mean, so. you know, I just uh, I did a whole tiki presentation recently, and we um, talked about how how in the hell did Hawaiian um, art and culture become so involved in tiki, something that existed, you know, forty years before or thirty years before Hawaii was a state, and yeah. and and you get to that part of it, and it's it's really hard to kind of teach this to the staff without saying yes, it's racist as fuck. Um, you know, because of the, just completely appropriating things and like, hey, well, we don't really understand your culture, but this is pretty. And so we tried to make sure that everybody understands where the art comes from, where the history comes yeah, from. Right. Yeah. And yeah. like, this is always a little bit more of a jump because a lot of people here don't know where New Guinea is. Right, 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 right. And, uh, but like, you know, initially we didn't set out to just only be a New Guinea bar. We got lucky and were able to buy the estate. But right, right. It's been great working with Dave and uh, Kenny Ruzik. I'm like, yeah. I mean, they're like, everybody's been like plugged into exactly what we're looking for. So that's who we're working with. Right, like, right, right. We're like, oh, okay, you are a metalhead that's also likes dark <laughs> art. Okay, cool, but what kind of like, you know, what cultures are you interested in? You're like, oh, well, New Guinea. Okay, well, boom. Like, we're going to work well together. And yeah. so... I think it's a, um, you know, when we look back at the golden era of, of tiki bars in the 1950s, it was not just a golden era for tiki. It was a golden era for what we call programmatic architecture yeah. and and uh, and storytelling architecture. So there was all kinds of themed restaurants and buildings and things that were, that were you know, used artifice to create these experiences and whether or not it was it looked like a Spanish hacienda or a German beer hall or a Swiss ski chalet or whatever it was the idea was that these places provided a a a brief sojourn into Mm. something else that's Mm. no nobody thought you were going to get a doctorate in cultural anthropology when you walked into these restaurants but the point was that they gave you a sample it's just a brief survey it in no way begins to even approach the depth or complexity of any of these cultures. The point is, is it's a brief artistic survey that introduces you to something. It right. exposes you to a new visual, uh, a new visual, you know, something new visually and artistically. And if all goes well, you might just walk out the door and decide to learn more and decide to do more research. And, that's and really maybe where go we, there. Right. Go so that's places. where we started, that's right? What, yeah. well, it's funny you say maybe go there. I, we pulled up... Yeah. Um, 
we were going to pull up some ticket prices to see what they were running to um, hit. I don't remember now. A distillery Barbados, something or other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the next month or so, and when Chris pulled it up, it had his previous search yeah. already on the screen, and it said Papua New Guinea. <laughs> <laughs> like, but I, I have noticed, I have watched, we, in 25 years of this, I have watched dozens and dozens and dozens of, more than that, hundreds, of tiki files who got into it because they loved the spaces, the experience, the right. food, the drink, but then became really deep into learning more about the art, the history, the people, and became really much more, uh, you know, just became much more students of the actual culture. So these right. these were the stepping stones. And, and that's where we are because, yeah. you know, when we launched this, it wasn't like we were trying to like, hey, let's we're going to be a PNG stuff. We, we lucked out by our logo happening to uh, like coincide with the colors that were often used in the subject tribal regions um, when they paint their their boards and such, mm -hmm. um, because we, we were sticking with four colors and we got lucky on that. But like when we able to, when we were able to like buy the estate, um, it, it was something that we ha hadn't been able to put into words up to that point, you yeah. know. And so like once we saw that, we're like, this is what we've been trying to explain to you guys, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and so, but you're right, like, because of that point now, now we have libraries. I yep. mean, we're really, really fascinated with the people in the, the separate, not just the art of like New Guinea, but like, okay, well, is this a, you know, middle Sepic? And if it is, which tribe in the middle Sepic? Right, right, you right. Know? Um, and, and going on and on and on. And that's why, I, you know, when you referred me over to um, the Young Museum, I was able to pick up the books and at the Met mm -hmm. as well. And so if we find out there's a really great Oceania exhibit, we'll, we'll definitely cruise through a museum and, and buy what we can. And that educational factor, I think, really is important. And I, I do think, and maybe you'll disagree with me, I don't know. I, I, I think that that's going to be where we head towards in the future with Tiki. At least the ones that last, right? Because like, yeah. right now we're in this Tiki renaissance, but... It's kind of a weird faux tiki renaissance, yeah, right? Kind like of two pals is more the drinks source, are yeah. becoming popular again, but like nobody's really willing to dive into the deep end. Like a lot of people, not no one, but a, a lot of people are just like, "Well, what are the drinks on the menu?" But that's yeah, where it stops. Know, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's where it stops. There's some because there's a there's a I don't know for some you know for various reasons some people are uncomfortable or don't understand that it's very much a appreciation and a desire to display. And celebrate these right. works, and so some people. I mean, are we saying, do hear that a lot, right? Cultural appropriation. So yes. I mean, you know, and, and do you want to address that no. a little bit? No, <laughs> right? No, sorry. And, and it, it's a sticky one, <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I get that because, um, yeah, we we don't touch any of it. Right. Like all of the artwork in here, we didn't say like, "Hey, let's switch this around," but like, make it funny or ironic. Like, oh no, all we did was clean it, poly it, put it up admire it as it is and for the meaning that it is and like even the area that we're sitting right now is our quote spirit house because that would where be where you know uh the men's rituals would as you became a man you know your bat mitzvah in new guinea where they scarred your skin to look like a crocodile you know well i think it's um we ha we have a uh, we have a, a responsibility and a duty uh to to uh, appreciate what we've got, the pieces we've got, the artists behind them, the people who've studied for their whole lives to create this art, for A, to be respected and not dismissed out of hand by people who don't understand it, but also just to, um, to, um, to, to, to celebrate it and to say, and hopefully convey to our guests that because we can't we can't control the responsiveness of the, uh, how the guest responds to the art, right. but we can create an atmosphere. Like for me, 
you know, there's a lot of like really, um, really like just tacky cartoonish stuff that's really embarrassing and um, and is rightfully called out as being offensive. And I, I completely understand and appreciate that because we really do try to take the pieces seriously. We, the most successful tiki bars that are the mo- the ones who achieve the look and the feel most successfully are the ones where the ownership management designers treat it very seriously who take it very seriously and responsibly and don't think of it as ironic or arc or, or just kitsch. or kids right, or the yeah. damn k word mm-hmm. and just actually respect what you do because if you respect what you do you convey that respect to your guest you say well no we don't think it's a big joke we think it's beautiful yeah, we think right. it's beautiful and shows extraordinary skill and creativity i think you just nailed it uh, i think yeah. you just put that in a nutshell when i talk about like going to these like yeah. kind of the trendy fern bars or i guess they don't call themselves that but like yeah. the tropical, tropical bars bar, yeah. you know that has you know if, mm-hmm. uh, one of my and i no disrespect intended because i know there's a few places where these things show up and that I, that wallpaper has its place um like we, so we talked about earlier in the episode, Tropic yeah. City and, and Bangkok. Yeah. What I really love about his walls is that he hand painted everything, so it yeah. felt very much. It felt a lot more organic, and it felt very local. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, rather than just like ah, we don't know what to do with this wall. It's just I don't know. Put that up. Throw some albums on the walls that are like exotic albums, and yeah. like cool. Now we have tiki bars. Like you know, it it took us three years to put this place together because we wanted we we felt that there were going to be a a lot more people judging us than maybe perhaps there were going to be. I mean, like, I mean, even fantastical judgments, like Steve Crane, like, would he be proud of walking into this place? Yeah. Or would he be like, you guys just fucking did like a discount version of my joint, you know? know? So, you know, and it's like, we felt a great responsibility with that, you know, and to make sure that it was done right. Because a lot of times when you visit Tiki bars, you either get a good drink or you get a great atmosphere, but you very rarely Rarely get both. both, Yeah. 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 It's so funny. So many people come up to us and they say, Oh my gosh, we loved your book. We loved your book. Yeah. (laughs) And we know what bar they're from. And we're like, really? Did you? Did you read it? Because sometimes you're like, but you got the drinks, but did you read the rest of the book? Which is the whole point of the book. I do love what you guys did with your book because, and and I meant to address it earlier. Um, I think I got tea punch sidetracked. Yeah. But what I love about the book is that you, those are definitely um, tiki recipes for the modern era because we talked about the three and a half ounce drinks from. Uh, you know, Don Beach and like me, people don't really drink like that anymore. We right. can't do these these three ounce, four ounce rum drinks. Anymore. Oh, we still or, do, or, or your toast. <laughs> oh, we still but do. But like your book, <laughs> it was cool because you know when you're a lot of those um, recipes called you know, and we all go by ratios or we what we call specs in the business. Mm-hmm. For those of you outside the business, so it's like you know, okay, we have four ounces of rum, and you have you know two ounces of juice and one ounce of this and a three quarter of this and then three-eighths of this or whatever weird spec. Right, but then right. you back that down to like a two-ounce drink or two-and-a-half-ounce drink as far as liquor is concerned. Two, two-and-a-half ounces of liquor, which is what a normal cocktail is these days. Right, right. Most um, of our modern drinks aren't that because, strong. Yeah. Because you have to do some weird math to yeah. make your juice ratios match. match. You right. know? That's so, true, too. Yeah. And that's what I really appreciated because that was a lot of work. I know that was a lot of work. We did was tweak it? a lot, yes. And yeah. that's, that's yeah. true. So was, but when you do look at something like, it's funny because we do look at the at the zombie and we posted, you know, reprinted basically the, the zombie punch recipe that Jeff uncovered slightly. Uh, yeah, just ultra minor tweaks. like, But, um, but 
you do look at that recipe and you're like, this shouldn't work. This isn't enough juice. There's way too much rum. This this is not. But that's Don's genius is those flavors, the, the accent flavors on top of those rums are right. both a, great accompaniments and um, and great foils to the rum. So right. it's a sense that, yeah, sure, of course, it doesn't just taste like a bunch of booze and juice. It's got the depth from the a little bit of the herb saint or the bitters, and it's got that meat so it can have just a little bit of lime and grapefruit juice and still taste really good and not just like, ugh, just a glob of rum, just way too much rum, which people are like, what's wrong with too much rum? Yeah. So <laughs> I know we're getting close to uh, wrapping up here because we've got an event to do, and we're actually going to do a class on Steve Crane, which yes. if you guys have an opportunity and you see Martin coming to your town and he's doing a talk about Steve Crane, please attend it because you really are the leading authority on Steve Crane at this moment. Um, other than Cheryl, but she doesn't give classes. <laughs> Cheryl has not been to a class. I would love, hard. I'd be highly intimidated, but I'd love to have her. That's yeah. a hard part about the book is we have, I mean, we had to cut that down so much yeah. for the book. I mean, there's so much more in the talk. So yes. Right. And all the eye candy that also we couldn't put Right, yeah, I mean, and and that's what you and I, Rebecca, talked about last night. It's like you had access to so much stuff that you just can't put it all in because then it just becomes a book about Steve Steve Crane. Crane. (laughs) Um, Which, actually, are are there any plans to do that at some point in the future? I I don't think so. I I mean, can I I share the actual dream? Yes, which is to do oh. drunk history. Yeah, <laughs> of drunk, oh my god, would be can so I be in it? Oh my god, yes. it would be I so perfect. I'll want, just be a guy in the background if I have like, to. We haven't actually. I want to pitch it to Derek Waters so much. I was like, at an event so and I was standing three feet away, three people away from him. I'm like, I just go up, but he's like, he had this look on his face, like, don't bother me. <laughs> and I was just, but, but like, we like, do want to actually want to pitch it to him. Oh, I'll be the drunk Indiana guy trying to sell cigars. I did. I did pitch it as a documentary. To a documentary filmmaker, one that we might know, we might know, and he was mad. politely, politely like, eh, not he, his he all but glazed well, maybe, over. Maybe, maybe if he hears it a few more times, then we can convince him. He needs him. the full. He needs the full presentation. He should come to the presentation. Yeah, yeah I you can only do so many in Barbados. Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be fantastic. Yeah. So um, we're getting ready to do this class. Um, so what's next? I mean, you guys have so much on your plate. I mean, Max is just open. I, I'm guessing that's taking a lot of your time. Oh, but boy. I mean, you live on the West Coast. I mean, I you, know. You, so, well, you... uh, next week we actually return home and we're helping out open a, a little neighborhood bar in our town, actually in our small town. So not Tiki, but not just a Tiki's. great kind of craft cocktail neighborhood tavern um, that I'm opening with a bartender friend from San Francisco. So that opens in about two weeks in uh, San Rafael, a little town north of San Francisco. And then... Um, we've got uh, Con Tiki Lima, the Tiki Festival in Peru. Yep. So we're speaking that at that. And uh, really looking forward to that. That's like you went there last year as well. Right? I, no, no, Jeff was there last oh, year. Oh, Jeff was there Jeff last did it last year. Okay. Yeah, I didn't do it this. Because uh, so, I hadn't heard about it prior to that. I'm like, well, That damn. was their first. This right? is their third. This is, yeah, this I'm like, this is their third. third. Oh, I thought third. I'm going to go to Peru. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's crazy. It's big. It's like the, the, the it gets 300 people for the presentations. You guys are living the fucking ring, man. I just need to like. We're very sleepy, Ed. I just need to get a day off. A day off. I'd rather be sleepy from like traveling than sleepy from you know working constantly. <laughs> but I mean, I I know that that sounds very it's uppity both for and, us, yes. and bougie considering that I was just in Asia for five weeks. But, <laughs> <There's that. laughs> right, you know. But that was my first vacation in almost a decade. 
So. Well, nothing we do would be possible without really outstanding teams. You have that. an amazing so, team. It's you guys really attract true. some. All, I mean, all of our. If players. you look at all the list, of of, just even yeah. if you just looked at only Smuggler's Cove, yeah, the people that have been through that bar, it's like what? And like, oh, yeah. this, no, it's, is this real? Like, this is dream team, and like they come to you. Yeah, um, and the and fact that they've all been there forever. Yeah, is, three is, of our four bartenders have been there. Over nine, nine plus. Steve years. Lyles was with us in Martinique, so yeah. Chris and yeah. I went uh, to Martinique with Steve. Oh, that's and, oh fun! Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we got a great photo of him like killing the last bit of a bottle of uh, Cuvier Romare. Because <laughs> <laughs> nice. he was like, I don't want to finish the last bit of it. It's like, well, somebody has to. Yeah. And he's like, all right, well, I'm going to kill it. Like, cause we had no glassware. Oh, okay. We're literally slugging out of the bottle. <laughs> and so he, he handed Chris this phone. So we got this great picture. <laughs> you know, nice. Him tipping the square bottle up. And Spiribam didn't get you glassware? Jeez. Come on, well, Spiribam. We were, we, were, <laughs> we were with Ben on a bus. Do you really think there's going to be glassware? I've been with Ben. We're lucky. <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah. So Ben, I probably mentioned it. I hope so because otherwise we'll get shitty. But like the last night, we were—I think we were in Guadeloupe. Yeah, we left from Guadeloupe to the states, and um, the last night we didn't really have a whole lot going on. Um, We kind of Chris and I kind of hijacked a party. Um, We we got bored of dinner. They're just—they feed you too much in Martinique, right? It's like yeah, we're not not in France, guys. I I don't need seven courses, and it's hot, and you're like, I can't eat all of this. Right? Yeah, like I don't need seven courses. So we just got up during the last two courses. We walked around. We heard some music playing. Yeah, and I'm like, and and I said, where are we going, Chris? And he goes, I don't know, man. Just follow the music. And so we find this reggae party in like this big giant tent. That there's a live band. There's a tea punch bar and all this great that stuff going on. And we go in there and. Jim Romdahl, previous guest as well. Oh, yes. Jim Jim was with us, and he's like, "I'm gonna go get everybody else." And we didn't really think about that. Like 30 minutes later, he shows up with like Ben and like the rest of the crew, and I don't know. No one looked pleased because I think everybody was kind of tired, and they, I guess they had another event plan, like some sort of like bonfire on the beach kind of thing. <laughs> and we're in this like Good one, van- <laughs> in this vanilla smoke thing, you know, and whatever. And like it was a fantastic night. It was one of the best nights I've had there. And so like the next morning, uh, so Chris is usually pretty early to rise on these trips. He, yeah. He's the one that wakes me up. He's charged with making sure that I'm on the bus by seven a.m. <laughs> and so, but it was like we need to get back to the airport. So we were on there at seven a.m. Um, he pokes his head on. He goes, Is "Everybody here." And I said, well, Chris will be on in a moment, but, you know, um, he's running just a little bit late this morning. He goes, oh, is he still following the music? (laughs) 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 I'm like, just put my head down. He goes, all right, everybody's here now. All right, cool. See you. Got out. Like, <laughs> he was like, "Here's your week. It's done." Like, all right, I'm hungover. Fuck off. Get the hell out of my. Get out of my country. Yeah, get out of my country. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's some great times, man. Like, I mean, those, those those kinds of trips really are educational, you know, because we're older guys. We're not there to just get hammered and embarrass our cities. So. No, 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 no. It's 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 a uh, when you get the opportunities to actually get your hands on. On the spaces, on the on the stills, and on the barrels down there, and you're taking barrel samples, and it's like it's just magical. It's just um, yeah, man. The yeah. atmosphere, the environment, the people. You see the passion in all the in uh, all these distilleries, from from you know the folks working in the labs to the distillers to the folks it's working in barrel management. Really everybody educational. Cares. Yeah, everybody cares. I mean, I'm dying now after being in Thailand and getting to try like uh, still proof Isan yeah. and 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 quite high proof Isan. I'm yeah. just really excited about it and it's only bottled at 40% in Thailand and I would just 
God, if we could just get some of that to the U.S. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. you know, Cholong Bay. We, you know, we we have some Cholong Bay from uh to, from Phuket, yeah. uh, behind the bar here. But like, my family accidentally brought me the uh, cinnamon infused Cholong yeah, yeah. Bay at one point. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is like, yeah, you're like cinnamon infused agri- agricole, and they do it like a vapor infusion, like a oh, gin. Okay, okay, yeah. And so I was a little thrown by that, and I was like, I don't know, I'll try it. And I'm like, this is the not the best rum I've had. <laughs> um, ranks pretty close to the bottom, actually. Um, and so I was like, what the hell are we gonna do with this? Because my my mother in law brought me three bottles, so we punch. Um, we made. <laughs> Jet pilots. I was about to oh. say something about uh, yeah. cinnamon. Because like, yeah. we had to go with Steve Crane, right? Yeah. So we made some jet pilots and we tweaked it a little bit, add a little big Benedictine uh, bar spoon of it in there, and um, uh, add a little more sugar because obviously we, yeah. because we eliminated the sugar. I'm sorry, the um, the cinnamon, cinnamon yeah. completely um, because it was infused into the rum. So we had to add a little bit of sugar, but it was like. Holy shit! This Probably is a, great. So, th- so our thinking was this. So I had to. I only have to say this because I'm, I'm establishing precedence. This is Southern Teague style right here. Like, if yeah. you say it now, yeah. If anybody copies it after this date, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's been the precedence has been set. So, you know, we had the test pilot, right? Okay. But then that test pilot got evolved. Right, right. And it became the jet pilot. Yeah, right, right, right. So if you evolve the jet pilot, what's the next phase space of aviation? Pilot. It became the space pilot. It became the Tie Fighter. Uh, oh, you. <laughs> Nice. Yes. You have passed the space pilot into the TIE fighter. Yeah. Yep. So, so yeah. guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been awesome. Um, well, thank let's you. Do it again we also, you. We let's also got, for the first time, to come to your beautiful Inferno. Yeah, that's right. This is, is the first time. It doesn't feel like it. Visit, so. I know. It doesn't amazing, feel like that because so. I've just known you guys for a while, and it just doesn't feel like this is the first time you've been in, but... Yeah, I was I was happy to, to be able to introduce it to you tonight. It's beautiful. Last night. So beautiful. Let's go uh, drink some rum, learn some Steve Crane. Let's and, talk some uh, Steve. <laughs> and then have cocktails all night from the Smuggler's Cove book. So uh, nice. where can people find you and find your book? Uh, you can find the book at, um, well, you can use Amazon or Barnes & Noble or IndieBound. Or your local Or bookstore. your local independent bookstore. <laughs> Please visit them. Um, the, it's there too. Or Smuggler's Cove sells. Smuggler's well. Cove sells. So it. come on by the you book. Can buy and actually, in Grand Rapids. You can also <laughs> buy them at the Inferno Room as well. We have books here as well. Oh, thank you. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Uh, is there any social media for the bar? Oh gosh, I guess so. Yeah, mm-hmm. at Smuggler's Cove SF on uh, Instagrams, and we're on Facebook. And um, you can also find Holly Pele and False Idol on Instagram. And you can find Max's on Instagram too at, oh. at Max's Tiki. Max's Tiki. At Max's Tiki. All yeah. right. Yeah, I actually, I don't think I follow Max's yet. But, get in uh, there. I'm going to get, get in, in there. there. Come on, yeah. you're like I'm, a I'm week cur- old. Come on, I'm dude. currently running that account, so oh, don't, don't really? get too excited, because <laughs> I'm, I'm a little slow on the updates. Yeah, I was like, it'll be, I was like, really, yeah, <laughs> So I know. next month, you might see. <laughs> it'll be posted yeah. once every seven months. Yeah, wait, I'm go, I should get a picture on there. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> All right. Well, again, thank you so much. Mahalo. Let's uh, let's go hang out and um, enjoy the rest of our evening. Sounds wonderful. Sounds great. All right, guys. Cheers. Cheers.